The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jodderand. Joining me, as always, is Armand Kafai. And for this episode, it's back to normal. Well, sort of. Still no Jake, but today's focus is on MLS's youth. We'll be looking at the historic move of Alfonso Davies to Bayern Munich and the Kellen Acosta trade. Remember, both players are homegrown, so a juxtaposition of a weekend for MLS and its youth. Now, before we get to it, I did want to tell you to follow us on Twitter at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. You can follow me at Steven Jodderant. Follow Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai. We always enjoy your feedback, comments, so continue to send them in. You can always find the show on any major podcast platform. And if you haven't done so, check out the mini series on the potential relocation of the Columbus crew. We'll be looking to add another edition in the near future. And check out my roundtable with Peter Wilt, Nicholas Mendola, and Eric Stover on lower division soccer. An excellent and insightful discussion, and those aren't my words. But let's get to today's show. Armand, what a weekend it was for MLS's youth. Two moves, two drastic moves, two different moves for both players. One going to one of the biggest clubs in the world and the other going to honestly one of the worst clubs in MLS. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's been a really busy weekend uh, for me, especially with the Kel Nacosta deal. But I mean, you're not wrong. It's one guy who's going to one of the top clubs in the world and another guy going to a team that's kind of a cellar dweller right now in MLS. Yeah, and, and let's talk and let's begin with the Alfonso Davies trade. Now, listeners, send in your thoughts. What type of move is this for MLS? What precedent does this begin with? Armand, he is a young player. And it's crazy to think that, you know, we finally have our big move for MLS. But let me remind you, Josie Altidore commanded a $10 million uh, transfer fee when he moved from the Red Bulls to Spanish club Real a decade ago. So it's not like we ha- haven't seen big money moves before in MLS. This is just twice the f- price. It is, and it's also a club with notoriety across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think of a team like Bayern Munich, it's not like Villarreal. It's no offense to Villarreal, but Bayern Munich is one of the premier clubs in 
the world. They have fans in America. I mean, they're in the United States for a preseason tournament. And to see them take notice of MLS and take it very seriously is something that if I'm other clubs across Europe that I am taking a watchful look at as in why are they partnering with FC Dallas to uh, have a partnership with one of the top MLS academies? Why are looking at Alfonso Davies? Is there something that Bayern Munich knows that other teams don't know? And that's what I'm really interested about this transfer. Well, Davies, who's 17, will remain with the Whitecaps until the end of the MLS season. He will join Bayern when the transfer window of the European teams open on January 1st. It's about two months after his 18th birthday, meaning that he will be eligible to play for the German powerhouse in Bayern Munich. Um, Bayern also had to beat out several other top clubs. I don't know who the top clubs were, but they had to beat him out. And this is something I find very significant. is the history of Afonso Davies. Refugees from war-torn Liberia. That He moved when he was five. He fits the mold of every successful soccer player's history. Luka Modric, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Neymar. Poor, 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 poor. They all have a story of coming from nothing into becoming something. That is significant because... The Whitecaps have been able to tap into something that MLS in a lot of U.S. soccer struggles with. Peter Wilt mentioned it on uh, the roundtable. That is targeting the poor areas of America, whether that's the rural or the inner cities. No, you're right. They they really have. And the fact is, Alfonso Davies promotes the first team when he was, what, 15? He's had that development. It took, it took encouragement. It took persuasion by Carl Robinson and the staff to promote him and they did after scouting him I think it was in Edmonton uh Canada and to bring him over first off credit to Vancouver for noticing that talent and being able to convince him to come over and developing that talent as well but you're right there in other sports we do see those stories but not necessarily as much in MLS well not even that in U.S. soccer think about in U.S. soccer yeah Christian Pulisic didn't necessarily come from the poor situation. Right. Okay? He he came from some sort of background where it was stable, to say the least. I don't know what they were. I, quite I frankly, think his dad I don't was a care. soccer coach, right? Yeah, he's a soccer coach. But they were in middle of America, in Pennsylvania, at least stable. They had a situation where he had food on the table, roof over his head, and he was going to school. Christian Pulisic. Davies, I don't know exactly what his backstory is, but if you're refugees coming from Liberia, let me tell you, you're not going to have a lot of money to begin with. Right, and you have a you have a tough uphill battle. I agree. No, I agree. It's the, a the story odds, that we haven't seen. Right. The odds were stacked against him, and now he's going to one of the biggest clubs in the world. Now, you were texting me earlier today, and you found something very interesting in a book. Right, yeah. So... There is this book that came out um, in Germany, and it's called uh, yeah, Match Plan by Christoph Biermann, by a journal- German journalist. And I found this article on ProSoccerUSA.com by Manuel Veth. Uh, and Biermann points out in the article that Davies was statistically the most likely prospect in the world to become a superstar in the mold of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. 
And uh, I also took a transcript from another book, uh, from the book actually. And in the book it says, I asked Sadel who could be a world star in 10 years. He gave me, this is an American, but Davies is Canadian, uh, whose name I've never heard of before. His name is Alfonso Davies, a left winger with the Vancouver Whitecaps. And according to Goal Impact, he has an in development in mind after which he should be worth multiple of his current value. I find that very interesting that a best-selling book in Germany, I think, probably had some sort of impact, right, on that transfer. Because, I mean, Davies is a relatively unknown, I would say on the international scene, unknown player in terms of— What about of an MLS? Let me ask you, what about an MLS? How big of a name is Davies? I wouldn't say that big of a name. I mean, for me, it's different because I cover the league. But for other people, I mean, his stats, what, uh, for Vancouver, seven goals, uh, 10 assists, and 68 matches uh, from TransferMarket.com. Uh, he did have a spectacular goal DC United, and I was at that game, and it was a great strike. But, I mean, he's not the first player you think of when you think of MLS. Not even the first 10, I would say. Well, he's going to forever be in the history books now. The question is, will he live up to the name? But if you're Vancouver, you collect the paycheck and you move on to the next star. I mean, think right. about it. Van Vancouver's, th their name is suddenly, wait, wh what is Vancouver doing? Remember, it's always been FC Dallas and New York Red Bulls Academy. Here comes Alfonso Davies, and they're about to collect a paycheck that could well go north of 18 19 $20 million. Here, here's another significant change to MLS recently. Vancouver is going to collect every cent. Before, it used to be some sort of, you know, cut went to the league. But no, Vancouver is going to collect every penny. Remember, when FC Dallas lost Weston McKinney to Schalke, they got nothing. Nada. Zippo. Zero. Vancouver is now going to collect the money, and maybe you'll see clubs do more to invest in their youth. And you're, and, and you're, sorry, Armand, let me continue here. Yeah, go ahead. And you're starting to see it. I actually wrote for the Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast website about the situation with youth. Okay, and MLS has spent more than 40 million in each of the last two seasons on youth development focusing on improving training facilities bolstering academies and attempting to find new and better ways on how to train young players it's good for mls this is a good and positive sign but there's a but armani and you want to hear this but yeah go for it and then i want to mention what uh my thoughts are after okay the but is this is for MLS good, bad for U.S. soccer because the prospect is Canadian and he's not American and it's coming from a Canadian club. Remember, what was the big talking point several months ago regarding MLS? It was Toronto's quest to the CONCACAF Champions League title. Again, a Canadian club. Yes, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, American. But again, it's two Canadian clubs that are doing something right. What are the American-based MLS clubs doing wrong? Yes, we have Red Bulls, and you, we just saw Jesse Marsh go overseas. Tyler Adams is probably going to be headed there soon, or is already heading there soon. Yes, FC Dallas has sent Weston McKinney to uh, Schalke. Bayern Munich also just started another FC Dallas Academy 
Hurts product, Chris Richards, in a friendly. So, yes, there's successes, but it, there's got to be a question mark regarding the American-based MLS sides thinking, what is Vancouver and Toronto doing right and we're doing wrong? You do bring up an interesting point with the Canadian sides, but I think you also have to realize that Canada only has three teams, uh, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. They also have more opportunity to poach more talent. They have a wider net. You can kind of do that with Dallas or with teams in MLS, but not really. I mean, you can't just go scouting around and like, oh, come here, come here. I mean, you can, but at the same time, it's much more difficult and also, these teams also have plenty of investment, too. I mean, Toronto is one of the biggest spending teams in the league. Vancouver, on the other hand, more into their academy than anything. So there are more teams in MLS, right? The thing is, a lot of these prospects get poached before they sign with an MLS side. Davies signed when he was 15. Let's remember that. He was 15. Weston McKinney left as soon as he turned 18. F. Stiles never signed him. F. Stiles never attempted to sign him until later on in the process. There's, I bet you there's plenty more of examples of that. And it's, it represents a market inefficiency with American soccer in that you don't get compensation when a player leaves. If you don't get compensation for it, obviously they're going to get poached when they're younger. And that's probably why we don't see something like that. If you look at the position of... The, the two federations in what Canada is doing versus what America is, right? You have a lot more MLS clubs. Shouldn't they be able to find more talent and get them to Europe? Now, yes, we see Josh Sargent leaving way before he has an even an MLS contract in front of him. The problem is Josh Sargent isn't or wasn't in an MLS academy system. He was part of the development academy system. And those two are different in the sense that MLS has an eye on it, while the DA has, as well. But if you play for an MLS academy, you're going through the system of getting maybe called up or getting a, a homegrown contract in front of you, while if you're the development academy player, you're going overseas. That's or you're trying the, to go to college. Or you're going to college, exactly. So you have two different positions there that are kind of under the same umbrella, but you're getting two different career paths. Right, Christian Pulisic was never part of MLS, but he was part of the Development Academy, a success for U.S. soccer. But not a success for MLS. Not a success for MLS. This is exactly what my piece was about. Yes, U.S. soccer is doing things right with the Development Academy, but not with MLS academies. They're still lacking. Now, I'm not saying MLS academies suck or they're poor. They have flaws in them, but they have brought successes. Matt Miazga has got brought up through the MLS Academy. Weston McKinney has spent time there. For the longest time, people touted Kellen Acosta, and we'll get to Kellen Acosta here in a couple of minutes. The Davies transfer to Bayern Munich is massive, but it's only massive if there's more to come after it. My, my thought process behind this is, are people going to take notice of what Bayern Munich is doing in America, like I mentioned before, and look at it and be like, hmm. My question to you is this, Stephen. Do you think if Alfonso Davies was, let's say, a Spaniard or a German youth product, would he be worth more? That's that's the biggest question I've been trying to because to because answer. if if you if you answer yes with that, then we've then we figured out what's going on here. Like I mentioned before, th- there is a market inefficiency in American soccer 
uh, in general, in MLS too, that a lot of these players are undervalued for their services. Um, That they have this stigma that they come in MLS, which is a uh, quote unquote lesser league in some people's eyes, that they're worth less on the international market because of the competition, because hell, even the schedule, all that kind of stuff. If teams notice, Bayern Munich and FC Dallas's relationship is not just oh, like let's do a partnership with coaches and stuff. I, you can't buy that for one second. Well, the, if you're if you're Bayern Munich, you know you're partnering with one of the best academies, FC Dallas. Do you think they got Chris Richards on loan to train with their first team, give them their resources for fun? No way. They got Chris Richards because they want to give him a six month essentially trial that won't cost them almost anything. Because if if he's not good enough, all right, he'll just go back. He'll just go back to Dallas. No biggie. We can always do someone else like like that. That's why Byron has made that with FC Dallas. That's why Byron has a greater look at talent across MLS. It's interesting because if this is the case, then there has to be a team out there, right, that looks at this and be like, why is Bayern Munich investing all this time in America? There's something up. They have offices in America. They have offices in New York, Stephen. They have English English language accounts for that usually connect with their American audience. They have all these things invested in the American or in North America, especially in the United States. It's not just – it's also for marketing purposes. But, I mean, come on. There's more to it. I think Byron sees, hey, we can potentially poach someone like Schalke did with Weston McKinney, like Borussia Dortmund was able to do with Christian Pulisic, even though he was not part of an MLS DA. They have no compensation towards him. They don't need to give him compensation. Sergeant, another example. I think teams are going to take notice and slowly begin to start poaching, unless compensation things changes, poaching players from MLS side. If you're a U.S. soccer, the DA, MLS, you have to change the rules. You have to have some sort of financial benefit. There's no, there's no way it's viable because – Look, U.S. soccer will get better, but MLS will get worse if their best prospects are leaving all the time. Chris Richards is is fine that if he leaves, Dallas will receive some sort of money for him. But an example is Chris Kappas, who's on trial with Bayern Munich right now. If he leaves, Dallas gets nothing. Any of the clubs gets nothing. So how is that good for a team that develops talent? There's there's no way that's good. No, you're right. But the question is, how do we change that? How do we Go and change that. Let me let me before we get to that. You brought up the the question of if he were a Spaniard or if he, if Davies were say in the second tier in in France or even at a, a bottom Serie A Bundesliga, would he cost more? I'm, I I have a hard time. I go back and forth. Zach Steffen touted the future of U.S. men's national team and goalkeeper after his performance against France. Uh, went to college Maryland. Okay, he was part of the the Philadelphia youth affiliate FC Delco, but four million or just under four million of a, a transfer fee for the goalkeepers was sent by Bristol City. Armand, if Stefan were in the championship, would he cost four million dollars? There's no way. I would say there's no way because uh, who? I mean, I know he's also English, so it wouldn't make sense. But didn't Pickford cost a ridiculous amount? And he's he started for England in the in the World Cup. He's obviously a future uh, goalkeeper. He was at Sunderland, if I'm correct, right? And then uh, they're not that they weren't that good. I, mean, I think we all know that. 
Uh, um, Pickford and, cost a, a fortune for Everton. It was no cheap exactly. price. Right, and also obviously some of it is inflated because he is English and the homegrown rule is there. But to tell me Stefan is worth four million, there's no way. I don't. It, maybe I'm just overvaluing MLS talent, but I would say he's at, uh, at least worth double that. Right. I, I mean, think about it. Even if Zach Stefan were at the bottom of, of the championship, got relegated to League One, he'd be worth uh, of his play worth probably six to seven to eight. If he were in a mid-tier championship, or even say a team that got promoted and looking, uh, say a German team needs a new goalkeeper. He'd be worth ten to fifteen. Exactly. It's because he plays for the Columbus Crew in MLS, and he's an American. Okay. Exactly. Undervalued or they're extremely undervalued. We haven't seen we we haven't seen a player in MLS make like a massive move. I mean, what I'm trying I'm trying to think of transfers out of MLS. They're not high. Like they're not like amazing. Miazga went for like four or five million. Mm-hmm. Right? Am I wrong? No, you're right. I feel like it could be worth a little bit more. I feel like the, I want to see how much Tyler Adams goes for when he goes to Leipzig. I think Jack Harrison went for what six point five, eight million, six, seven, six, somewhere in that range. In that, in that, in that range. And I, I think that all, that number only came in because City just outbid the next club, right? Right, Middlesbrough. They outbid Middlesbrough for him, and then they loaned him to Middlesbrough. It's. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, there's, it's a real phenomenon that I think. MLS players are undervalued in the transfer market. Why is that? I, like I said, I think there's a stigma against MLS, and that is a market inefficiency. In Soccernomics, uh, they talk about a player that uh, smokes cigarettes. I forgot who. And he he Jamie went for Vardy. Free... No, no. <laughs> no, he does. He takes naked yeah, packs. It was it, it was someone else in the book. And what ended up happening was they invested. They got him on like a free or really cheap. Like he's addicted. We can't help him. And they helped him recover, and you became a leading goal scorer for the season. These are all market inefficiencies. If you're a team like across the pond, and you're looking, you're looking at, you know, I bet you, look, Kellen Acosta, his name is my head. I'm going to throw him out as an example. I bet you a team could buy him for 500K. It's like 1 million right now. That's it. Nothing too much. And I think with, with motivation, and the right coaching in a new, a brand new environment, he could end up being like a player you could sell for five, six million in the future, which is five times the amount you bought for him. It's stuff like that that I think a lot of people don't. Now, obviously, every MLS player is not going to be worth that much. I mean, come on, we know, we know a player like no, Tyler Miller. I'm sorry, LAFC goalkeeper is not going to be worth an amazing amount of, of of money, if anything, to any overseas club but there are some players out there that have the talent that i think are undervalued and if teams take notes it's gonna be really good for um, it's gonna be really good for u.s soccer if they're american or mls's notoriety as a whole listeners send in your thoughts at onk sam soccer pod what can we do or what can mls do to fix these issues anyway up next we're gonna timeline the year of kellen acosta What does this move mean for MLS and FC Dallas going forward? All right, welcome back, listeners. 
now we have to talk about a player that made a what Steven said a horizontal move. Well, that's best. just me being nice. <laughs> at best, FC Dallas announced Sunday. It's actually broken by a uh, good friend uh, John Arnold. Uh, that Kellen Acosta was going to be traded to the Colorado Rapids for Dominique Baji. Uh, FC Dallas and Colorado would swap first-round picks, an international spot in 2019 and 2020, and 50% of Acosta's transfer fees should he be sold by 2020. It ended what I thought was a very frustrating season for Kellen Acosta in Dallas. Steven, I know you're not into the day-to-day FC Dallas things like I am, but what were your thoughts when you heard that? What were your thoughts when you heard the trade go down? I was surprised. Um, I I did know Kellen was struggling. Obviously, you're there day to day, so you're going to be able to comment more on this. I was surprised by the move. Okay, um, to me, it makes kind of no sense on both parties. Why would Colorado give up a fifty percent uh, future fee to to Dallas for the player? I think that's ridiculous. You know command at least 60 um, percent <laughs> if you're fc dallas at least with from a marketing side of you know a marketing point of view you lose your biggest star you you genuinely do if you Kellen acosta around frisco north texas is glued to fc dallas okay you're right steven you're right you're right i mentioned actually a piece and for our listeners out there um I wrote a piece uh, describing the rise and fall of Kellen Acosta for Pro Soccer USA. Go check it out. Yeah, go read it. Great piece. Go the complete complete story around Kellen Acosta. And you're right, Steven. I said Acosta is synonymous with FC Dallas. He is the the poster child for the homegrown product, the academy system. This is how it was supposed to be. You were supposed to go through the FC Dallas Academy, sign, get called to the national team, move on to greener pastures in Europe. But I think we all know that didn't happen. And we were discussing kind of our thoughts about Acosta last year almost. Almost the beginning of 2018 where you brought up a really interesting point. Do you want to share it with the listeners? Armand, before I get to my point and what we were discussing over a year ago, let's set a timeline for listeners so they genuinely understand the move and the rise and literally the fall of Kellen Acosta in a span of like 365 days. Right, yeah. So um, let, let's start. I'll try to make this as short as possible. Um, we saw in 2017 Dallas was playing in the Ch- CONCAP Champions League against Arriba Unido, a Panamanian side. And Acosta scored a free, I think it was, a, was it a free kick? It might have been a free kick. And a um, and another just uh, in, in the field goal for a brace. And I remember seeing the press box like, wow, that was a really good performance by him, and he was carrying the offense. He did it again against Pachuca, a top Liga MX side during that season, and that's when you started to realize, wow, this kid might be really good. You saw the hashtag, the year of Kellen, pop up, and he was performing really well. He scored a free kick for a men's national team against Ghana in a 2-1 victory. Uh, He... uh, Played in the World Cup qualifier at Estadio Azteca in the 1-1 draw where Bruce Arena came out looking like a genius. And I think that's what I said on the podcast. Man, that guy is so smart. But you know how that ended up. You know how that ended up. And he was, <laughs> and people were like, he is the future part of Michael Bradley, unlike Jermaine Jones. Um, in 2017, his Gold Cup was eh. And soon after, we realized 
Acosta might feature in Europe. And Fernando Cavijo openly said that he thought Acosta would leave for Europe in 12 months. Now keep that date in the back of your mind. That's around June 21st, July 21st, July 30th. And then Acosta said, I want to move to Europe in the summer transfer window so I can get accolade with my team. What ended up happening was FC Dallas collapsed. Acosta missed the World Cup. And Acosta ended up getting injured in the preseason uh, in the preseason with a hernia injury after getting his first preseason with FC Dallas ever. Ever, if you can believe that or not. What ended up happening when he got injured uh, was the rise of Ja'Cory Hayes. We saw Ja'Cory Hayes, a second-year man out of Wake Forest, come out and play out of his mind and was outstanding in his role. And I think that made Dallas think, wow, we don't – he really stepped up. Do we really need to keep Acosta? I think that's when the questions started kicking in. We saw Acosta play and we saw him you know, get playing time, but – the biggest moment had to be during the Red Bulls match, a 3-0 defeat. Steven, do you watch that game by any chance? I think you did. I remember the play. He gave up. Simply, he just gave up. Tyler Adams r- flying into the box. Kellen Costa tries to body check him. I don't know what he's doing. And then you just watch his Tyler Adams drive, put the ball in the box, and uh, Red Bull score. Exactly. What did we see after? We saw Acosta get subbed out for uh, Michael Barrios. And it was the first visible sign of frustration publicly that we've seen where he storms off into the locker room. And I think that's when people knew, shoot, something is wrong. And in practice, he was parsing the reserves. He was not – I wouldn't say he was, like, bombed, but he was not, you know, in the great – like, he didn't look like, oh, yeah, you know, it's awesome. And – he used to, and I remember we used to always, we used to always chat, me and Kellen, and soon he just began to not do interviews after training, um, which it was with everyone. It wasn't with any specific person. It was with everyone. He just didn't want to do interviews with anyone. And soon after, we saw the trade that sent him to Colorado. No, Armand, I have three questions for you since you're on the day-to-day there. And listeners, did you take note? Kellen Costa's mood, his emotions were showing in the locker room. They, they were visible on the training grounds. He was emotionally not there. He's, his mind was gone. And, and you heard it in the presser when he was introduced to Colorado saying to the Swords, uh, I just want to enjoy the game again. It's damning, right? And that's not just coming from me saying, no, it's not training. That's coming from other people. It's coming from Buzz Carrick from Third Degree, who has covered a team for 20 years. His practice reports always talk about Acosta's not looking engaged. And part of the issue with Acosta had to be, I think he was bummed that he didn't make the World Cup and the team missed out. He's bummed that he didn't move to Europe. He's bummed that he got injured. He's bummed that he got out of the starting lineup. Probably some off-the-field things as well. All these things add up. They genuinely do. And what we saw was a frustrated Kellen Acosta who needed a change of scenery. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it happened. To the, shock, to the shock of a casual, but not to the shock of someone who watches FC Dallas week in and week out. If you saw them play week in week out, you had a feeling something like this was coming. All right, well, let me ask you. I got a couple questions here before I get to what I was saying over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Was Kellen Acosta overrated by U.S. Soccer, MLS, FC Dallas in the last 18 months? 
Did we overrate Kellen Acosta? I don't think we did. I don't think we did because he, he – I went back and watched the film. I watched the highlights of him during that run. He was incredible. He was genuinely incredible. This guy was a star during that time. I don't care what anyone says. He – the way he moved was so much energy, so much desire for the ball. It was free kicks perfectly placed. Him working with Michael Bradley, uh, making Bradley look like a better player. All these things are important uh, attributes for a player like Kellen Costa. So I don't think he was overrated by U.S. soccer. I do think, though, at times they did put too much faith in the future of U.S. soccer into his, like, kind of his mind. They they sold him. They sold him something that he was never going to fit the mold of. Like the like a pull six size mold. No, he he is literally what happened to Isaiah Thomas in of the NBA. The Boston Celtics sold him this superstardom, right? It wasn't the it was the fans, it was the media, it was all Boston. Isaiah Thomas, the next great Boston Celtic, signs a veteran Go. minimum. A year later, for who? The Denver Nuggets. Ironically, it's also another <laughs> Denver club. But Kellen Acosta, <laughs> Kellen Acosta, was sold. Something by AUS Soccer, probably FC Dallas, and particularly the fans of this next great thing, right? And I was worried that Kellen Acosta was letting it get to his head, particularly about a year and two months ago when the Gold Cup was starting up, when he, when just the Champions League had finished and we're, we're halfway through the MLS season. I said, Kellen Acosta has to make a conscious decision now more than ever to figure out what he wants to do. Is it A, make the World Cup because everybody thought we were still qualifying for the World Cup. His target was probably the World Cup. And I said, you got to stay in MLS and play high because Bruce Arena likes his MLS guys. And he typically likes the guys that he has already brought in. So Kellen Acosta was probably part of the, at least the thirty final 32 if the USA had qualified under Bruce Arena. And people are like, no, what about Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney? Sorry, Bruce Arena probably would not have cared what they were doing in Europe. Like, like Bruce Arena probably had an idea of the 20, 21 players that he was taking to Russia. Yeah, there's some like weird revisionist history going on with that. There, you, you, you got to be kidding me if you don't think Kellen Costa would be part of, a part of that 23-man roster. You, you legitimately got to be – you must have some weird revisionist history because there is – I would almost guarantee him that spot. Younger, uh, a player that Bruce likes, versatile. Come on, come on, come on. No, it, it, it's it's a bad take. I mean, and then let me ask you this: but what does this say about FC Dallas, Armand? It says that Oscar Pereira doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're a DP. He doesn't care if you're a star. He doesn't care if you're some model homegrown. He wants the 11 best players at the moment on the pitch for him. That's what we saw. Victor Uyoa, I promise you, does not have a higher ceiling than Kellen Costa. If you think so, I'm sorry, you're crazy. But Victor knows his role. Victor plays his role really well. And Victor's a damn good player for the team. Same with Carlos Grezo, but Carlos Grezo is a lot better. This, Steven, don't, don't, don't get this twisted. Kellen Costa might have come saying, uh, I wanted to leave, and that's what probably accelerated the deal. But this is a win now move for FC Dallas. Look at the look at the things behind it. FC Dallas doesn't need Kellen Acosta anymore. They don't. They have players that are capable and better, and they've been getting results week in and week out. They don't care. 
So this is a win-now move. This is Fernando Clavijo saying, and Oscar Perez saying, we believe this group can win MLS Cup because the way they talk about Baji is that they don't need a transition period. Why does it? Why does anyone matter if you need a transition period? Why is it? Who cares? Like, if you need a transition period, you need one, right? The reason why they care is because they want to compete now. They want Baji to come in, basically, and be ready from the get-go. It doesn't need adjustment period to the league. The assets they got aren't even that much. Okay, look, a first-round pick in the MLS draft, you can probably sell for 200, GAM, 10, whatever the hell you want, whatever words you use for this one. The 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 international spot, all right, you can you might be able to use it in the offseason. The 50%? Okay, whatever. But this is a win now move because they could have kept on. They could have held Colin Costa. They still have him. On, Colorado has control of him for two and a half years. FC Dallas would have the same scenario. FC Dallas wants to win now. This is a win now move, but everyone is kind of looking past that because the whole emotional sentiment uh, from Kellen. John Arnold had a really great point in the article on Third Degree where I got the media's reactions. He said, "Take off the labels, and you're trading a third or fourth center mid for a top forward. Who wouldn't do that deal? It's." FC Dallas proclaiming we can win MLS Cup this year and we're going to go for it. And I think a lot of people are completely missing that part of the story. Homegrown-wise, I mean, sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes people need to change scenery. And I think everyone knows that with Kellen and they want to move on. Um, No, you bring up some interesting points there. What does this mean for the league? I think it, it it allows more freedom for the homegrowns to be poached by other clubs. Now, I have I still have a hard time understanding the value system in MLS with Tam and Gam. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people do because I can't sit here and go, well, Kellen Costa is worth 750k in this and then 500k in that. You can easily say if Kellen Acosta was midfielder X for Chelsea and here come Man United who want him, like, say, I don't know, say N'Golo Conte. You can sit there and go, well, he has a price tag of $65 million. I know Kellen Costa is not N'Golo Conte, and I know one's going up, the other's going down at the moment. Things can change real quickly. <laughs> but you have a value system in MLS that is broken, and is, it is as clear as mud. If right. You're at- no, you're right. It is, it is, it is clear as mud. But, Steve, let me, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but let me ask you this. <laughs> on, on the field wise do you think this makes any sense for Colorado on the field wise no it's all about off the field Tim Howard emphasized this is a mega trade for us this is probably the biggest acquisition the club has made in the last decade I don't think you get much return on me you get a lot return on Kellen which I kind of find dumb because A. Tim Howard was successful in his first year with Colorado gone into the conference finals uh, were several points behind actually winning the supporter shield behind Dallas that year and um, Tim Howard is a, a big name in U.S. soccer. I remember, believe it or not, I was watching TMZ Sports oh, News, yeah, whatever, yeah. and Tim yeah. Howard was in Dallas, and the strip clubs in Dallas were going nuts because right. Tim Howard was in the house. Like, don't tell me Tim Howard does not is not a force. Kellen Acosta is a different force because, A, he's a homegrown. It, this changes the perception of homegrowns in MLS when I think they used to be kind of an unprotected species and you didn't necessarily go after them. Now, suddenly, there's a little more, oh, hey, um, what about player X here? No, you're right. And I think this could set an interesting precedent where, for example, let's say Andrew Carlton doesn't work out and Atlanta is like, hey, let's ship him. You could make a trade like that because 
I'm going to be honest with you, the chances of Andrew Carlton getting a sustainable starting role in Atlanta is pretty slim to none. Unless he makes Bar- a move to Europe. Unless he makes a move to Europe because he has Barco, Villaba, all these players that are better and I think have more of Tata Martino's trust. And that could prompt something where, okay, maybe we want to go acquire Andrew Carlton. At some point, Atlanta's going to be like, we can't play him because we're getting all those superstars to come in. So what are they going to do? They're, they're, they they might be able to ship him at some point. It's just a theoretical example. But I think this is a, open up a really cool precedent where we could see more players, you know, more teams not holding on to their homegrowns but allowing them to be free. And one thing I'll give credit for Dallas, when a player is upset and not happy, they allow him to leave. And I think that's a very good thing for their future business as a whole because it helps show that, you know, we're we're here for the player uh, as as well as for our betterment as well. But don't get it twisted. As much as this is like, oh, we're getting rid of Kellen because he wanted to leave. This is also a win now move. I think Oscar knows that. I think Clavijo knows that. I think people who cover MLS know that. It's a win now move. Take off the labels. You're trading um, a backup mid for a, a forward that has seven goals in 16 games when you need help attacking. I hate making parallels to other American sports. I killed Rob Stone for doing that during the World Cup coverage. But it's MLS, so I think I, I have the rights to do this. I feel like FC Dallas has a lot of New England Patriots in them. In, in the sense that you're useless. Next man up. You everybody know, was saying that's, that's next that's man up. I'm sitting there going like, hello. The, uh, New England Patriots. Has anybody made the parallels here? Oscar Pereira kind of gives no craps who you Dude, are and a, what you're about. That's actually a very good example. I think that's something you should you should tweet. And also, one more thing. I will make another parallel to the Kawhi Leonard deal. That he was upset that he wanted out. But Dallas, if you notice, Dallas traded him to Colorado. They did not trade him to SKC, the Red Bulls, another team that probably had better interest. They don't want a cost to hurt them if he comes back to his form in MLS Cup. Oh, it, not hurt them. Talk about another Bill Belichick move. Pretty much getting sent to the Cleveland Browns. Kellen Acosta exactly. is getting sent to the bottom of the league in the West. And you don't foresee Colorado suddenly magically turning it around in the near future. Unless something drastic changes. And, and, and Kroenke, if, if we know anything from Arsenal, kind of doesn't want to spend any money. It, it's a shrewd move. And I think that's actually a very good comparison to Bill Belichick, Stephen. I respect I know your Patriot. I hate your Patriots thing, but that's a great example. Thanks, Armand. Anyway, if you haven't followed us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod, uh, check out the mini series as well as the roundtable discussion on lower division soccer with myself, Peter Wilt, Eric Stover, and Nicholas Mendola. But Armand, let's talk about the Colorado perspective here, and they do get a name. Um, I think uh, U.S. Soccer has played games in Denver, so. The fan base in Denver will be familiar with Kellen Acosta. He will sell shirts. think he will bring some more people to the stadium. This is not Ibra. Let's not equate anything here to you know a European superstar coming into MLS. But it, it does move the needle a little bit. And you question me, is this the right move for Colorado? But let me ask you, is this the right move for Colorado? Not necessarily this season, but just moving forward. Is this a step into the right direction where they do say we want to be more competitive and blah, 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 as every club wants to be, you know, champions at some point? <laughs> it's a, it's funny you say that, Stephen, because I'm like, I, I don't know how I feel about this trade for Colorado as a whole. I don't think they, I, they get better, but I don't think it's not addressing the problems. 
I think actually the entire team is just messed up and they're not good. So it might be able to, it'll help them, but they have holes in terms of you know they just got rid of their two goal scores. Joe Mason gone, Dominic Badgey gone. So yeah, you need someone to score goals up there, right? It's not gonna be Jack McBean. We've seen he has a he's not that good um, MLS wise and overall uh, they're not that good of a team. It does help them off the field marketing and all that good stuff. But I mean, outside of that, if you're Colorado, you make that move. I think in hopes of attracting talent, that's why you make that move. There is no way. Do you think Colorado is really going to sell Kellen Costa for only fifty percent of like right? Only fifty percent, right? Because they'll get the whole cut because they're homegrown players, so they'll get fifty. They'll only get fifty percent of the whole thing. Give them a first round pick, which I don't think is that big of a deal. And that fifty fifty bothers me. Colorado should have done better on that. But it, I think that's I think that's part of FC Dallas saying, "Hey, we're selling Kellen Costa on a low, and we know this. We right. know he's it, we're selling Kellen him on Costa's a low. high was what one to three million. Yeah, and we're Dallas selling is, him on a low. You know, you get rid, you get somebody new, and you're gonna make some money. It's like you, you trade a player who's about to be up at the end of the year, and then he comes resigns for you while you get the to trade in return. Right. No. Exactly. It's it's like yeah, you sign him on, you sign him on a low, and like that's and I, again, Colorado benefited from Kellen Costa being a slump, um, and Kellen Costa requesting probably to leave. It's <laughs> it's funny though. I don't think it helps on the field. I really don't. Does this? It, 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 if I do, if it does, I'll buy a Kellen Costa jersey. <laughs> like not that it'll hurt me or anything, because I love jerseys. But I'll buy a real Kellen Costa jersey and I'll flaunt it. Um, on on Twitter, if they make if they make the playoffs this year, hold right. me hold me to that. Hold, hold me will, to it. We will uh, hold hey, you, you want, to hey, it. Hey, you want you want to hold you want to go in on this too? Because I do not believe there is one chance in hell that team makes the playoffs. They're not good. Kellen Costa is not the X factor for them. He's not, I don't think he's even best at being that that like amazing X factor. He's, he's good at being that great linking mid, not that attacking mid or that right wing back or wherever the hell they want to put him. <laughs> I, I think it's funny. Do you, I don't see why they'd make that move. I yeah, really it don't. Is, if you're Colorado, I, I think it's a baffling move. Uh, but it it brings at least some sort of excitement where you're bringing some variety, in right? I mean, like it's off the field I, marketing. Like instead of like five people, you get ten people watching your games. No, no, and you're right. Dallas still get like instead of ten people watching your games, you get like eight. Like uh, I, I think as for off the field, if you just want to count the scores off the field, it's a win for Colorado, an L for Dallas. But, but on the field, it's reversed. I think on the field, it's reversed. And time will tell. Kellen Costa could find his form and become one of the, the best midfielders in, in MLS that w- we've seen, particularly a year and a couple months ago. It, it's crazy how, how things can change. Listeners, we'll be back soon. Jake will be <laughs> back on the show. Till next time, follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod, Stephen Jodder, and Armand Kafai. And uh, side note, follow Armankafai. He's got great insight to FC Dallas. He's there on the daily. Anyway, until next time. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. 
Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.